Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. Well, welcome back. Um, Harvest has kicked off and it's been running full force, at least in my part of the state, once we've had some dry days here. And once Harvest gets started and we get busy, one of the things that we need to keep in mind is safety on the farm. There are a lot of hazards that we can run into. And when it comes time for the holidays, we want to make sure that everyone is able to celebrate and give thanks for a great harvest, but also everyone's still being around the table. So with us today to talk about farm safety, we've got Dr. Dee Jepson and Lisa Pfeiffer from the Ag Safety Team in Food, Agricultural, and Biological Engineering. So could you guys each take a quick second to introduce yourselves? Dee, can you go first? Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Hi, thanks for having us today. I'm Dee Jepson. I'm an associate professor here in agriculture engineering um, and also the state safety leader for OSU Extension. Hi, and I'm Lisa Piper. Um, I'm also with the Ag Safety and Health Program, and I uh, mostly do educational outreach across the state uh, regarding safety and health in agriculture. Thanks, guys. We're really excited to have you with us today. Um, harvest is, again, a really busy time of year. There's a lot of different activities happening around the farm. And with that comes a lot of different hazards that we might run into. So we wanted to break this podcast down into a couple of different categories. We're going to talk about safety while we're working on equipment and other maintenance tasks. Um, then we're going to talk about some fire safety, especially when we're looking at dry field conditions like we've been experiencing here lately. And then the final thing we'll cover is some safety at the bins. So to start off with maintenance safety, um, equipment maintenance is something that we have to do during harvest. It seems like things are always breaking down. Um, so as we're working to keep our equipment running during harvest, what are some good habits that we should keep in mind to stay safe? Well, um, habits are great to form. I know that some of this might sound like a broken record, but I know that every now and then we need to have these regular reminders and little commercials so that we can keep our shop safe keep our equipment running smoothly, and keep our people engaged in farming and not laid up or in the ER. So when we think about the whole shop, um, I guess the first thing to, to keep in mind is the organization and uh, reducing clutter. I know it's so easy to have equipment backed in. We have our seed that just got delivered for our cover crops, and maybe stacked in pallets. We might still have some chemical containers laying around, or all of our uh, tools are out, we're oiling, we might be still even winterizing some of our other equipment. So there's so much going on in the farm shop right now. And so if, if we can keep our pathways cleared, our oily rags picked up, our tools, uh, a lot of, you know, keep the tools out of the, the aisleways and off of the platforms of the equipment, uh, I know we store or we use tools a lot and they kind of land in a lot of different places. But if we can remember then at the end of the shift or at the end of the job to go ahead and pick those up and tidy things up before we start a new job, that really keeps things organized as well as prevents our slips, trips and falls at the workplace. So that's like, to me, that's just step number one. It seems intuitive, but um, that's an important one. And then when I'm thinking about maintenance of equipment, um, you're checking hydraulic hoses and checking for leaks. Uh, you're replacing uh, shields and guards. 
uh, your oiling chains. It's just good to make sure that you you don't use your hand first off if you're using the hydro if you're checking hydraulic uh, hoses and cylinders that you use a a piece of paper or a cloth to check for those leaks. You're not running your hands up and down uh, that system uh, where you could get injected with some of the hydraulic fluid. Um, as you're lubricating and providing that maintenance, make sure you do return those shields and guards immediately, not say, okay, I'm going to take it out and, and test it and then come back in and, and put that guard on. Go ahead and, and take the extra time. I know safety takes some time when they have uh, those interlock uh, or when they have the shields and, and different interlock switches that all have to be in, in agreement with each other for them to work. Um, but they're there for a reason, and so um, make sure you replace those shields and guards. When I think about other types of uh, safety factors is good lighting. And I know that sounds like, how is that a safety factor? But if you can replace the lighting fixtures to those LEDs, that would really brighten up your workplace as you're, you know, um, working on your equipment. Time change is going to be coming soon. I know we're working in our barns um, in our shops a little bit later in the evenings. So having some good lighting is always uh, a good recommendation. Those are all great tips. And I know this is the time of year where you want to take shortcuts or you're tired and it's just easier to, to go to the house and wash up than it is to pick up when you're done. So just those little helpful habits are great. Um, one post I've seen go viral here on social media recently is, is one about PTO safety. Um, you mentioned replacing guards and shields, but it's always a good reminder um, to make sure that you're all set with those guards being back in place because those sorts of accidents happen so quickly. Well, and our human reaction time will never compete with some of the fast-moving equipment that we have um, on our farm. So there are PTOs associated with so many uh, harvesting operations. And so you're, you're absolutely right, Elizabeth, having the guards put on those and not just the, the um, not just the driveline guards, but also look at those uh, master uh, shields that come out of your uh, tractor and then the other guards that are on the implements themselves that would protect that entire driveline system all the way from the PTO stub um, and, and all the way um, back to the to the machine itself. Um, there's so many little pedestal connections and um, places and that can grab frayed clothing, hoodie strings, shoelaces, unfortunately even long hair, uh, girls that have their hair tied back in um, that can get caught up. And so definitely having the shields and guards. To be, um, to, to be looking at the statistics, PTOs are not as much danger as they used to be because of the great engineering that we have in place now on our machines. Um, if I look back in the, in the stats, even 20 years ago, PTO injuries were so much uh, more prevalent. And now they are, they're, they're not as high. And I, I do give credit to education and engineering efforts. So um, just keep that in mind when you're working around those dangerous rotating shafts. Yeah, we definitely want to keep those, those stats on the low side. Um, one thing that we hear about that's a lot more prevalent in industry and our ag business folks will probably be more familiar with this process is lockout tagout when it comes to, to maintenance. 
how could a farm incorporate those sorts of practices to make maintenance more safe? Well, first you have to understand the concept of what does lockout tag out mean. It basically, it, it can lock out an electrical system, but it can also lock out any type of hydraulic system or anything under pressure. Um, and so there's different systems and you can buy these little kits at a, a hardware store or a big box store that will have a has or a locking mechanism that you could place. And I'm going to use the electrical system, um, maybe because that's the most easiest to do. If you're working on a piece of equipment um, that is energized with electricity and you want to make sure that, you know, that bench grinder, if you're going to do any type of repair on, on pieces of equipment, um, and you want to make sure that that equipment is completely shut off before you start to work on it, you know, some of us might just go over and, and pull the plug out of the wall or um, shut off the breaker bar to that. And that's the important of lockout tagout is that not just are you um, disengaging that that energy source, but you're putting a lock on that uh, entity. So that, and you keep the the key to the lock so that whenever you're ready to re-energize it, you yourself can take off the key, um, take off that lock and use the equipment again. No one else can walk by and say, "Why isn't this plugged in? Why is this breaker switch off? This should be on," and then inadvertently turn it back on while the maintenance is being performed. You're right. Uh, industry uses this system all the time, and not just agricultural industry. But if you think, um, even in our home building, home remodeling, construction work, there could be three or four different contractors on a site at any given time. And so plumbers would use lockout tagout while the electricians are there versus, um, you know, some other contractors in the area. So they would all have their own locks. And sometimes you could see one or two to, you know, to 10 locks on some pieces of equipment just to make sure everybody knows when that equipment is shut off for a purpose, um, then the operator can then re-engage it when he or she wants it to be engaged. If you can't lock out a system, and I'm thinking like when you're doing maintenance on actual um, machinery, uh, especially out in the combine, if we deal with clogged uh, headers or cylinders, we want to make sure that we completely shut down that that combine before we go out to unclog anything, and we want to make sure all the freewheeling parts have completely stopped itself. Um, you probably can't lock out your cab, but you wouldn't leave somebody in the cab that could incidentally turn the machine back on while you're out. So if on our farm, if, if the machine is clogged, then everybody leaves the cab to go work on it. Not one person is left in the buddy seat um, that could incidentally turn that back on while somebody's uh, performing maintenance. You have an agribility person, and that's the universal design. And you talked about putting your tools away and lighting and safety around the shop. And just want to give people a heads up that with universal design, if you're redesigning your shop or wanting to make some changes, there's some really good things you could implement, like moving electrical outlets to the front of your workbench or just grabbing some anti-fatigue mats and putting those down in areas that you work in frequently that'll just help longevity and you work more efficient. Those are those are great ideas, Amanda. Um, if you can move those electrical uh, outlets closer to where you're working, uh, that's that's one of the easiest things to do. Making 
having workbenches that can adjust to your height, whether it's you're a tall person or a short statured person, or whether you just want to be seated and work on some things, you could lower that uh, that workbench. Having creeper tools or your, you know those little uh, carts that can creep around on your farm. Uh, in, in your shop, there are some that will adjust so that you can be in a seated position or, you know, even a lower position. And you've already mentioned some of the other things like putting the rocker switches on rather than the flip switches, the door levers rather than door knobs. Uh, I think the easiest thing is just thinking about how do you, how do you age in place with your farm shop? Um, can the shelving units be made lower so you don't have to climb to reach? Or if you are using a mezzanine, uh, that you can install stairs rather than a ladder to get up to your mezzanine. So switching gears here, um, conditions during the season were pretty dry across parts of Ohio. And we've already heard reports of field fires in some areas of the state. So with this dry weather, you know, there is that increased risk at harvest time. What recommendations do you have for farmers to decrease the risk of having a field fire? Great topic. Um, Dry conditions and high temperatures. Um, Let's think in two formats, prevention and protection. So when we think about fire prevention, what are we going to do to take steps to not have a fire even start? We're going to remove um, as much chaff and debris on our equipment as we can. We know that that can accumulate and uh, ignite. We're going to make sure we're monitoring our bearings and other chain drives, that those are all properly lubricated. And you're monitoring those throughout the, you know, when you get out to do your stretch breaks or as you're um, uh, maybe taking a lunch break or, or switching gears or drivers, double check to make sure everything there is is cool, there's no hot spots or smoke. Electrical shorts and systems, those oily rags like I had mentioned earlier, it's little things that we can do to prevent the fire from even starting. Then when we switch over to fire protection, what do you have to arm yourself? And as much as I would recommend maybe a five to 10 pound uh, ABC fire extinguisher, having a dry chemical extinguisher in, in the combine, in the grain cart, in the tractors, in the other field vehicles, that's gonna help with those incipient fires when they first get started. But a lot of times we're dealing with a very fast burning fire. So even having a portable water tank uh, on hand, especially in these very dry fields, uh, would help you with immediate, you know, stopping the fire immediately before it gets out of hand. So in these situations, we know that seconds really matter. So what recommendations do you have if someone unfortunately finds themselves in a situation where a field fire has started? So we know, again, how fast uh, combines and dry matter are going to go up. Personal safety is going to be the first thing. If you cannot, if, if there's a fire behind you as you're in the cab of the combine or if you're in a tractor, you're going to want to get out as fast as possible and put in that insurance claim and not worry about that uh, piece of equipment. Nothing substitutes personal safety, but if you feel like you can access the fire extinguisher and you know how to use a fire extinguisher, and I know that sounds crazy, but when we all have the heat of the moment going on, knowing how to pull the pin, aim the nozzle at the source, 
um, squeeze the handle and then sweep from side to side. Uh, that will extinguish the fire rather than just standing there and pointing and screaming. It's like, oh my gosh, I got to get this fire out. I mean, you want to use your product as efficiently as possible because you only have so much in the tank. Excellent. And then any recommendations? Sometimes we're in pretty remote areas um, for how to most quickly get those first responders out to your location. A lot of times if we're using cell phones, the cell phone towers are going to bounce around, um, may not direct the uh, emergency responders to the field that you're in. And so if you have a two-way radio and you can call somebody with a landline or you can have other folks that will also call, sometimes your cell phones will be redirected to different call centers and they will dispatch a little quicker. You can always, um, if you have a good rapport with your local volunteer firemen you could tell them or you know a lot of times in the coffee sh in the coffee shops that morning they kind of know where farmers are and they're ready for a rapid response if need be uh, they're looking for dry conditions and field fires themselves it is really important to keep in mind and thank those first responders because they understand Typically, they understand our rural communities and do a great job of trying to protect us when we're in these different conditions. So, shifting gears again, um, Lisa, you joined us last year when we talked about grain bin safety. And we just really like to emphasize this so much, I think, because unfortunately, when something happens around the grain bin, a lot of times it does seem to be fatal. There's not a lot of room for error, especially when working in the bin. So as we start to, you know, get back in the bins during harvest, what are some tips you have for us and what safety hazards should we be looking out for? So with the bins, you really have to consider two, two areas. So one of the first components is that coming back to the grain handling facility from the field and and just so much activity is going on there. Dee touched on so many of those things that you might encounter in that space um, and during that work. And everybody's always pushed for time and, and good weather. So, you know, you're, you're encountering PTOs and augers, lots of noise. It's a place where we really should be putting on hearing protection. Um, lots of moving equipment. So we want to be aware of all of the people that are working in and around that facility at that time. And then she talked about lighting. So I know many times people are putting a crop up when it's getting to be the bitter hours of the evening and it's dark out. And so you want that lighting because surfaces um, can have grain, that it, loose grain on them. And slip strips and falls can be one of our most dangerous things or one of our most common uh, incidents. But then we also then need to consider that second environment, which is that bin environment. And the, the best way to stay safe in and around bins is to have a no entry policy. Um, and really what that requires is uh, keeping our grain in condition and really paying attention to uh, that grain condition and making sure that it is dry and cool in that bin so that we don't have to worry about mold or insects, uh, that we're coring it out and taking those grain management steps so that we can avoid ever having to enter the bin. Then if um, it demands that we do that, Setting up a farm protocol where we have uh, kind of a checklist. We've talked to our employees about the things that we will do, our lockout, tagout, that we will have somebody that um, is spotting you from the entrance, somebody on the ground. You know, ideal scenario would be to have somebody on the ground, somebody at the top of the bend to, to know where that person who went in is, and then to have a 
system, a harness system, a lifeline system that you've purchased. Most bins don't come with that, so it's an aftermarket product that you have to purchase. But making sure that you really align your whole operation around safety um, so that you don't get into those fatal incidents. Because you're, you're right, Amanda, when you go into the bin and there is an incident, many times it is a fatal incident and we don't want to see that happen to folks and that was episode 41 if you guys want to go back and check that out um and then we did episode 42 on grain storage management as well so make sure you go back listen to those if you have questions either about safety or properly managing grain as lisa indicated that's really where it all begins is managing that grain so we don't have issues inside the bin and have to get in there well guys this has been some fantastic information you've shared today i know you guys have a social media presence and you're always putting out great resources so could you point our listeners to where they can look for that extra information? Certainly. Uh, you can find us at agsafety.osu.edu. And we do have a Twitter and Facebook account as well, where we promote a lot of uh, safety initiatives and uh, materials that we have. And um, this podcast aligns very well. It is fire prevention week, making sure that we're taking care of those things, uh, preparedness measures that point to fire and the dangers of fire uh, is a great thing. Well, thank you guys again for joining us. And we're um, excited for our listeners to have a safe harvest from here on out. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode.